All right. Shabbat Shalom, Ms. Bacah. Thank you for showing up today. Greatly appreciate it, and I certainly appreciate uh, Ralphie and the rest of uh, you giving me an opportunity to share what I'm studying and what I'm learning as I try to parse this. Before we begin, let's open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, Yahuwah, blessed are you, my King, the Elohim of creation, the Elohim of Abraham, Yisak, Yaka, the Elohim that set apart his people by means of his Torah. You, Abba, desire to have a relationship with us. You want us to be able to approach you and draw near and to love our neighbors as ourselves. You teach us how to do all these things, Father, and I pray that we will be able to benefit from your word today and learn some deeper truths. I pray, Father, that you reveal to me the things that you want me to speak and that you reveal to those who are here and have listening ears the things that you want them to walk away with and have embedded in their heart. So we give thanks to you in your son, Yahushua's name. Amen. So, you're probably going to learn a little bit about my study process, which is really, really scattered. And um, so the title of the slide that is set before you is called Let's Talk. And that let's talk is more than me just talking to you. It's an invitation for you to also speak and be able to share. And I hope you came armed with your swords so that it's not just me up here talking and that you have the opportunity to comment. We do have mics available for anyone who would like to comment. You raise your hand and the person with the mic will find you and allow you to participate in this exchange. Luke 11, 52 says, Woe to you, learn it in the Torah, because you took away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourselves, and those who were entering in, you hindered. Let that weigh down upon our hearts for a minute. Those who were entering, you hindered. Luke eleven fifty two. And then he verse fifty three says, and as he was saying this to them. The scribes and the Pharisees began to oppose him fiercely and draw him out on many subjects, watching him and seeking to catch him in whatever he says so as to accuse him. Now before that, this is an interesting theme because it's 1152. So let's go back and... And he says, 
and verse 46. Still in Luke, Luke chapter 11. And he said, Woe to you also, you learned in the Torah, because you load men with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burden with one of your fingers. Woe to you, because you build the tombs of the prophets, and your fathers killed them. So you bear witness that you approve of the works of your father, because they indeed killed them, and you build their tombs. And because of this, the wisdom of Elohim said, I shall send them prophets and emissaries, and some of them they will they shall kill and persecute, so that all the blood of the prophets which were shed from the foundation of the world shall be required of this generation, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the slaughter place and the dwelling place. Yes, I say to you, it will be required of this generation. Now in verse 52, what we started with, Woe to you, learned in the Torah, because you took away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourself, and those who were entering, you hindered. Any thoughts on these scriptures? No? No thoughts? Okay. Just just dwell there for a minute because we have time. How are the keys connected to the image on the screen? How are the keys connected? We got a hand in the back. And if you want to give him one of the mics, that would be great. I, I would have to surmise that uh, obviously during times when Torah scrolls were being were being written, um, there probably weren't physical keys to unlock doors, but it's got to be a uh, a reference to the, the 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 words in Torah unlocking from a uh, from these temporary flesh suits that we're wearing. To, to drink in Torah, the truth of Torah, and having the keys thusly given to us for like eternal life with Messiah when, when he brings his new Yerushalayim, that uh, it'll unlock a door, the door, one of the gates perhaps, for us to dwell with him. That's just my thoughts on it. Okay. Notice that it's interesting. It doesn't say the keys of the kingdom, but it says the keys of knowledge or the key of knowledge. Got a hand up over here, please. In my version, it says lawyers, mm -hmm. which would be probably the Pharisees. And um, I think that they, I think that a lot of this is dealing with the oral law and the fact that they put fences so high people couldn't climb over the fences. They made the Torah a burden on people. And so by doing so, they hindered them. And so I think that it, a lot of it has to do with the oral law, and that, in, in a way, equates to changing God's law. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Kurt. Any other thoughts? We got a hand up over here. Where's the second mic? Um, I have a 
a friend who's, um, they live in Jerusalem, and their son was in yeshiva school as a young boy. And um, he inadvertently took something his grandmother bought for him on Shabbat to school. And the uh, rabbis called the mother in and said, what are you teaching them? And he says, well, we just try to read the Torah and that. And he got upset, and he slammed his hand on the table and said, if you read that yourself, not through the interpretation of the rabbis, you're going to start believing in that Yeshua. And um, so they don't want the, the, I assume, ultra-Orthodox, don't want their people reading the Torah, the Tanakh, on their own. And also then there's Christian churches that dismiss the Old Testament as non-applicable today. Mm-hmm. And those, they're taking away the keys of knowledge. Thank you. Any other comments? We got a hand over here. Mark has his hand up. I would say that the Ruach, the Spirit, would be one of those keys that uh, helps unlock the knowledge. I mean, you can be endowed with all kinds of wisdom or self-knowledge, but without the Spirit working. I mean, a Spirit and a Truth have to go together. And this is why you see Letter of the Law contrasted against the spirit of the law is that this the spirit works along with the word to bring about and the perfect example would be you know leave the corner of the field ungleaned but they're leaving one stock but the spirit would if god's spirit would tell you the purpose of the of the command was to feed many not one person and so again when you're just looking at it from the flesh and the spirit's not there, you're gaining a wisdom, but really not what God is purposeful. Yeshua said, you heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say, and I think he's expanding upon the spirit is, you know, let's, let's build a bigger fence here to keep you from transgressing it. Thank you, Mark. You brought that up. Let's go to Ezekiel 36 chapter. And if somebody can get a verse, that's, we can start with, oh man, this is, this is, again, sometimes you, you start looking at it and you don't want to just read one verse. So, um, let's start with verse 23 and read through 27. If I can get a reader, that would be really awesome. Dane. Yes, please. Ezekiel 36. And so we have Dane with his hands up, his hand up, and he has the mic. I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in, in their midst. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when I prove myself holy among you in their sight. For I will take you from the nations, gather you from all the lands, and bring you into their own land. Then I will sprinkle a clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put in you a new spirit, and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. 
and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. Thank you, Dane. So we talked a little bit about this last week when we were talking about love and what is love. Last week we discussed that Elohim is love. It doesn't say that he has love as if, they, as if it is a quality. It says that he is. So one of the things that the Ruach HaKadosh does is cause us to walk in his way. But even before he does that, he sprinkles clean water on us so that we shall be clean. Now this is in what we call the Old Testament. So we're going back to look at the foundation, the rock upon which the Brit Hadashah or the New Testament stands. Kind of like you can observe a beautiful house. And Yeshua used this metaphor. Oh, we got Mark with a hand up. Go ahead. So Yeshua used this metaphor about building a house on sand. The danger with building a house on sand is that sand shifts over a period of time. And as it shifts, the beautiful house, the structure, will be ripped apart or it may sink because it's not on solid rock. And we can see the doctrines and traditions of men if they were only based on the New Testament, how they have changed over the years. When I was a kid, those doctrines may have looked very similar to what was taught in the Torah, the Old Testament, because they were teaching not to sin. But then over the years, those doctrines started to change, and it's kind of like, well, you know, Jesus taught love. Go ahead, Mark. So I always say I love it whenever the Almighty connects the two messages together. We're going to be reading this, these verses in the main service. But I have a question. Is this conditional? <laughs> it's, what did it say? For my name's sake. And he says, I will. I it doesn't will. look like it's it's contingent upon something that we had to do. It looks like it's something that the Almighty is doing. Mm-hmm. He's making an oath. He's declaring here. And I will say that I am glad that in my sin and in my waywardness, God opened truth to me and led me to the truth and righteousness. In other words, he didn't wait for me to just all of a sudden being righteous on my own. In my sin and wickedness, he came to me. And so I'm glad that God doesn't wait for man to become this holy individual before he imparts holiness to him. Yeah, I'm thrilled that he is compassionate and he's merciful. And he comes to his people even in their wickedness. And we're going to talk about that in the main service. So let, let's circle around that hill a little bit. We have a hand up back here. Thank you, Mark. Well, teacher, I kind of look at it from my perspective. Uh, in a sense, it's only conditional to the point where if you're trying to walk in uh, Messiah's light, I don't think it's conditional. I think it's a learning experience. And each, each one of us have a different route to get to the same end. 
And that's just like you were saying, teacher love. Well, I don't know if that sounds right, but. Well, yeah, and keep in mind, we're discussing matters here. None of us have the full picture of Vahi's character. And some of us may have different pieces. We have a hand up over here. Um, a prior leader of this church once told me that we do not have the right to interpret Torah but through the eyes of Judaism. And um, I was offended when that was told to me because the master I serve said, if any of you lack wisdom, ask and you shall receive. And so he gave us the Holy Spirit. If we lack wisdom to support what Mark was saying earlier, we have the Holy Spirit to guide us. And, and uh, you have to be ready, ready and be prepared for what he shows you in, in, in the scripture. Or if you're trying to interp interpret something in the Torah that you don't understand, doesn't make sense, you just pray about it. You're going to get an answer. You don't have to go to John Doe to get the answer. Thank you. There's a scripture, and if somebody can look it up, because I'm, I'm, it's in, I believe, either 1st or 2nd Timothy 3, 15, 16, all scripture is spirit breathed. Can someone find that and read it in context? We have a hand again over here. Yeah, teacher, I, I wanted to say, uh, when it comes to uh, having a question, if we're lucky and have it during Shabbat, there isn't anyone in this room that I wouldn't would be afraid to ask for their help or their interpretation. And especially uh, y'all that are special leaders for us. I think that's great. Well, if, even when we speak, again, it's incumbent upon each one here that hears to test it by means of the word. And we're going to kind of get to that again because that goes back to the keys. So while that other scripture is being looked up, uh, Let's consider some of what Mark was saying. When a baby's born to us, we expect that that baby will walk someday. We don't put that burden of walking upon that baby after they're born. That baby cannot even clean her or himself up. That baby cannot take care of her or himself. So if a baby is born into the family name, let's just say that that baby is a child of a Hebron, then for that name's sake of being the parent of that child, it is the parent's responsibility to care and nurture that baby until the baby has got to the point where it can walk. Now, along with that nurturing to teach the baby how to walk, that's not the only thing that that baby is learning. And so the way in which that baby will be walking, again, that's the responsibility of the parent, and we will go to that. Dane, please. Uh, 2 Timothy, Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. So that word inspired, Mark, go ahead, please. I'm going to add to that Psalm 143.10. says, teach me to do your will. You are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. Thank you. 
So the word there in terms of inspired literally means spirit breathe. Spirit breathe. And if you even go back to the root word of the word inspire, the English word, and you look it up in the Latin and the Old English and so on, it means to be breathed upon by divinity. So if someone says that I was inspired to write this song, or a song, and the song sounds very demonic, then yeah, it was inspired. But it wasn't inspired by the Elohim that we know and follow. So when you look at, okay, when Yeshua said, if you belong to my Father, you would recognize me, but because you, you, you have a different Abba, obvious, because how can two walk together unless by agreement? So if they're walking contrary to the word of Elohim, then there is a problem there. So the more we understand the key of knowledge and what it's rooted in, and knowledge, I would say wisdom is knowledge applied, not just knowledge heard. Because there were many that would hear the word that Yeshua spoke, and they walked away from it. So it's not just about hearing, but yes, you need to hear it. So I'm going to go back to the question about the key of knowledge. Are only for teachers who stand up here have access to the key of knowledge? Did I hear a hand that wants to raise its hand? Brother, don't be shy. This is just a group conversation. We're studying. If you got a comment, raise your hand because everybody can benefit from it. The question still stands because I have no answers from anyone. Is it only us? Was it only the rabbis? Was it only the Torah teachers in the day? I see heads wagging back and forth, but no comments. There are people online waiting to be edified. We got a hand right here, sis. Go ahead. I guess my mind goes to know not just the Torah teachers kind of go back to the last verse where it talks about how the Holy Spirit uh, leads us and can give us knowledge. Um, the psalm that Mark read made me think of that. And so I think that knowledge can be given to us if we are right within our spirit before God and receive that knowledge. We can learn from Torah teachers but it's not just, I don't think it's just specific. Um, and we do have teachers who are given words to teach us for those of us who are still learning. But I, I think it can be through the Holy Spirit that we can be given the knowledge. Let's go to uh, uh, Bereshit, Genesis chapter 18. And give me a second, I need to find a verse. Mm -hmm. 
Genesis 18. We can start at 17. I mean, sometimes I don't want to sound like I'm picking and choosing verses. Because usually when I study, I try to look at it in context, but due to time and circumstances, I'm looking at you as Bible students that when you see the chapter, you'll read it in context. So let's begin. If we can, I, I'll read it. And, uh, Genesis uh, chapter 18, and I'll begin in verse 17. And Yahweh said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham is certainly going to become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him, so that he commands his children and his household after him to guard the way of Yahweh and to do righteousness and right ruling so that Yahweh brings Abraham what he has spoken to him. Wait a minute. Abraham was called a friend of Elohim. And he said he has known him because he commands his children and the household in the way of Yotevahe. He's teaching. Let's go to Deuteronomy 6, 7. This one we're familiar with. But let's take a look at it in the context of how we're speaking today. Yes, hand over here. Please get it. Thank you. A little sensitive topic, but concerning teaching your children in the household. So we hosted a vacation Bible school one year. And one of the teachers wanted to know what we were teaching our children in our household. And so this te this, these keys are reminding me of this, is that the exercise was is the keys had names on them, and they had maybe six keys to choose from with different names on them. One of the keys said Torah. One of the keys said the word um, Yeshua, and then other words. The question to our children was, which one of these keys is your key to salvation? And all of our children chose the key that said Torah. And so the teacher came to us and said, you are teaching your children that the key to their salvation is not their savior. And our reply was, our children chose correctly because you cannot separate them into two different keys. They're the same key. The Torah is the living word, and you cannot separate the two. Amen. Thank you, sister. So I'm going to jump again, same context. I'm going to go to Deuteronomy 6. 
And I'm going to begin at verse 4. We're familiar with this. Hear, O Yisrael, yod heh Yahweh, our Elohim is one. We connecting the dot to last week now because it says, and you shall love Yahweh, your Elohim, with all your heart and with all your being and with all your might. And these words that I am commanding you today shall be on or in your heart. And you shall impress upon them or impress them upon your children. You shall speak of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up, and shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets or to fill it between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and upon your gate. Keys. Keys to knowledge. So those who were hearing, so those who were hearing the teaching of the lawyers, the Pharisees, or the religious leaders, if they had access to the keys that were in Deuteronomy because their parent, fulfilling that role of the parent same way it was in Ezekiel, was teaching them the words of instruction, the way of Yahweh, then they would be able to discern the difference between a tradition of man or a fence that man had put up and what God had given them. But if we do not teach these to our children, or we do not use the word, then many people will not be able to discern the difference between what the pastor said, the teacher said, the YouTube channel says, the social media says, and the word of God. And we may be following and passing on information that has nothing to do with the key of knowledge. So it's important that if we love him, if we love the word, then we will obey his commandments, but we need to know what those commandments are. And we do that by studying the word. Scripture says you study to show yourself approved. So we have to dive into it. We cannot pass on something that we do not have ourselves. So it's incumbent. That was, how is this connected to love? So my next question is, how is it connected to the kingdom? How is it connected to the kingdom? There's another scripture, by the way, still in this context, uh, if we, uh, Deuteronomy eleven nineteen. since we're in Deuteronomy, let's just go there. And then I can back up and go back to the other scripture as my brain is jumping around. Because Deuteronomy 11, and it says, um, quickly, and I start at verse 16, guard yourself lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside, verse 16 at Deuteronomy 11, and you turn aside and serve other mighty ones and bow down to them. Then the displeasure of Yahweh shall burn against you. And he shall shut up the heavens, and there shall be no rain, and the land not give its increase, and you shall perish quickly, 
from the good land which Yahweh has given you. All these are warnings. We read about scripture being inspired and they serve as a warning aforetime for us. And then it says, and you shall lay upon these words of mine in your heart and in your being and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be frontlets between your eyes and you shall teach them to your children speaking of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gate so that your days and the days of your children are increased on the soil in which Yahuwah swore to your fathers to give them and your days as the days of the heaven and the earth if you diligently guard all these commands which I command you and do it to love oh man that's that word back there with love again hmm. and do it to love Yahuwah your Elohim to walk in all his ways and to cling to him. And then it goes on about he, how he will drive out the nations before. We have a hand up over here, please. So God's purpose and plan has always been the same. Whether it's in the heavenlies or here, he expects all that he has created to live according to the kingdom, which is that divine form of government, the way to live, the, the way to operate. This is the way it's been. And so we as people here on earth that have been created in his image have flesh and have that divine nature been brought in that we make no, it's been made known to us. Whereas the angels only have that divine nature. They don't have the flesh. So he's created us to be cl the closest creation to Yeshua of anything created. But if we don't take that divine, the kingdom in, the, the will of God into us, then what are we? That's not the image. The image is, we should always ask ourselves, is the things that I'm doing now, is this what the kingdom does? Is this, is this kingdom fruit? Am I doing the things of the kingdom? That should be our question. Am I doing the things of the kingdom? And oftentimes we'll find out it's man's kingdom and our own imaginations that's running rampant in our own hearts and minds. Thank you, Mark. Any other comments? Any other hands? Go right ahead, please. Is it an oversimplification to say that the, the kingdom of uh, Adam and Hava, uh, that that was a, a kingdom... Uh, not so much where the creator didn't reign, but once we uh, turned our back and began breaking covenants and Hasatan was allowed pretty much free reign with this existence that we're in right now, that it's the next kingdom that uh, when Yahushua returns with the new Yerushalayim, that that is the one that we are kind of in a tryout or preparation for here in this time right now. You ask if it's an oversimplification to a question that's a little bit more complicated to say yes or no. Um, let me just say this, that the pattern biblically, according to my understanding, of choosing who we will follow this day 
choose the blessing or the curses, choose life or death, has always been set before mankind. One brings life, and we're talking about the kingdom of Elohim. The other one brings death. And so it would be the kingdom of the deceiver. So it, in my opinion, would be fairly simple. Does it get complicated? Because there are a lot of people on the journey to give you an example of what complicated looks like. B'nai Yisrael, the children of Israel, were saved out of Egypt. They were saved out of that particular kingdom, from the dominion of that kingdom. They were brought into a wilderness where there were no other kings around. And the king of glory shows up and he says, hey guys, let me simplify this. I want to have a relationship with you. And this is what this relationship should look like. Because if you obey my Torah, my instruction, I will be your Elohim. Whoa, wait a minute. Get away from me. You're scaring me. Hey, Moshe, you go up. You talk to him personally. We don't want to die. Okay. Yahweh said, they spoke correctly. You come up and you serve between me and them. He's setting them up to follow a kingdom, to be a people. Like he said, my own possession. I have loved you. Took you out from the mess that you were in. I heard your cry. Sprinkled clean water on you. Teaching you the way in which you should walk so that you can have a relationship with me and draw near to me. And you pass this on to your children. The same commandment. Because understand... To be set apart, to be separate, to be a holy people means that the same way Abraham was called out from where he lived before, he wasn't just called out so he can go wherever he wanted. He was called out for a very specific purpose. These people were called out for a very specific purpose. But yet, in the midst of being a called out, set apart, kadosh people, they still had longing for the things that they had left behind. That can happen to us today because we're in a world where we rub shoulders with the people. We're called out spiritually, but physically we're still here. And here they were, they were called out. So physically they were separate, but spiritually they were still clinging. So it's almost like an opposite. Because they complained about what they did not have. And in my head, it's kind of like, wow, how could that happen? You see the miracles in the wilderness. You see the cloud. You see the pill. You know, it's like, whoa. But then it's the same thing. I can't point a finger at them because I still see the same miracle. They are timeless. We see them in our word. So while we can say, well, if I lived in those days, I wouldn't be doing the things that my ancestors did. Well, that was what the leaders, when they came before Yeshua, and they had built the tombs, and he said, you basically testify to yourself that you are descendants of the stoners or the prophets. So many times you'll hear Mark pray 
about the sins of the father. Acknowledging those things cannot just say, yeah, that doesn't apply to me. So yeah, we have to guard ourselves and we have to keep making sure that we're on the path. Let's take a look at, because uh, I think we're running out of time. Well, we got a few minutes. And I believe it's Matthew 6.33. Matthew 6.33. Let me get to that. And I'm looking for the scripture that talks about seeking first the kingdom. Matthew 6. And let's see. We can probably... Yes. All right. Before that, it talks about not worrying and not being anxious for anything. Because uh, I'll begin in verse uh, 27, 627. Ah, again, <laughs> you know, so many things. It's like, okay, I could go back. I can go back further. And it's like, nope, nope. And it says, uh, it talks about worrying about what you're to eat, what you're to drink, basically your daily necessities. And I know these scriptures have been misapplied in some cases where it's like, whatever you want, all you got to do is ask God, and he'll give it to you. You know, he's kind of like the genie in the magic lamp, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, all you got to do is just call it down from heaven, boom, and it's going to be right there for you. That's not what the scripture is saying. So it says, do not worry about clothing in verse 28. Note the lilies, well, the lilies of the field and how they grow, neither they toil nor spin. I say to you that even Shalom or Solomon in all his esteem was not dressed like one of these. But if Elohim so clothes the grass of the field, which exists today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more of you, how much more you, owe you of little belief? Do not worry then, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For all these things the nations seek for, and your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the reign of Elohim and his righteousness, and all these shall be added to you. So the big question here is, what is righteousness? All right, Mishpachah, got all these Torah scholars in here. Let me hear, what is righteousness? Can't wait to hear some of your thoughts. Am I putting you on the spot? Great. We got a hand up over here. To add on, um, on? To add on what you said about the about worrying about basic necessities the animals don't worry about that they know they know that they're going to eat they know that they're going to have water so you should you should have the same mindset and know that we're going to be okay <laughs> thank you so righteousness what is it we got a mic over here to a voice that spoke from the wilderness well, when the law was given, they, the, the house of Israel said, it shall be our righteousness to be obedient to these laws. So that's um, basically, when, we are, when we're obedient to the Torah, we attain righteousness. Why was Abraham, thank you, Gary. Why was Abraham called righteous? Right here, hand went up. Your hand didn't go up, sis. Because of his faith. His faith. 
So is faith connected to righteousness? Yes. Any, any, any elaboration? You got a hand up over there. So it, it always comes back to, and you could say everything that proceeds out of his mouth because the promises come out. He's declaring his will. He's declaring his kingdom. He's declaring his government. He's declaring the way that we should live. And so when we hear those things that have proceeded from his mouth and we believe in what he said and we do it, these are the keys to becoming righteousness for us. It's, it's, we have to believe that what's come from the creator's mouth is, is good. It is for us. And it's, and it's not just to be heard, it's to be done. Thank you. So the word righteous or righteousness comes from the word zedaka. Last week, Mark talked about Melchizedek and the king of righteousness. So if you're not righteous, will he be a king of wickedness? Keep in mind, the subjects of a king would be following the mandates of that king, or else they would be kicked out of the kingdom. They would not be subjects of that kingdom, or they would be prosecuted. Oh, we got another hand up. All right, go for it. Mark, grab the mic and give it to your beloved. Okay, I'm going to try to make this quick. This is concerning a go-to verse that we often hear that your faith is distributed uh, or demonstrated through your works Mm -hmm. in James 2. And I'll try to sum this up. I believe that what was said is true. It is the word of God that establishes righteousness in us. However, I think that's the foundation that it's built upon. And from there, we extend it out into every aspect of our life above and beyond what the word, what the written word declares. And this is where I'm going with this is that in this go-to verse that's often quoted, well, it's your works, your, you, uh, your faith is distributed um, or demonstrated by your works because it says you have belief and I have works. Show me your belief without your works and I will show you my belief by my works. You believe that Elohim is one. You do well. Demons also believe and shudder. I believe this is referring to the Shema. Okay, so you know how to say the Shema. That's good, but so do the demons. So where does that get you? Okay, but do you wish to know, O foolish man, that belief without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father declared right by works when he offered Isaac his son on the slaughter place? Hmm. I've never seen one Torah command that has told me to put my child on the slaughter place. Yet Abraham, it says here, was declared right by his works. Hmm, that's going above and beyond the word of God to show that the word of God is the foundation that causes you to be obedient when the spirit guides you to to be uh, inattentive to the word of God. And if I go on a little bit further there in that scripture, whoops, hold on a little bit. Uh, And Abraham believed Elohim, and it was reckoned to him for righteousness, and he called him he who loves Elohim. So this is considered the one who loves Elohim, 
is obedient to his word and goes above and beyond when asked, okay? Um, let me continue to the end of this. In the same way, was not Rahab the whore also declared right by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? Where in the Torah are we commanded to send a messenger out a window? But yet, it says she was declared right by her works. So this tells me that we have to dig a little bit deeper into seeing where, where our heart is, what we desire to do above and beyond what the word is establishing for us. That word establishes a character. It establishes a drive within us to want to be obedient and open to the spirit that is walking within us and before us to guide and direct us. Thank you very much. That's a really good passage. Can I add to that? Go above and beyond the stock of grain and go ahead and do the corner of the field. Go ahead and above what the flesh says, uh, let me just do one stock of grain here and I've fulfilled the letter of the law, but go above and beyond and say, I'm going to, I'm going to leave the whole entire corner for the hungry. And Yeshua said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. So we talked about righteousness. We talked about kingdom. We talked about seeking the kingdom first. We talked about key. And yet, righteousness means morally or virtue, justice, right acting. Works without faith, without works is dead. So we can say, I love him, but then if we don't know his word, and we can say, I love him, and we don't respect the boundaries set by him, because we don't know what those boundaries are. If we say we love him, but yet we do not try to acquire the knowledge of what his instructions are, if we say we are seeking the kingdom first, but we're trying to seek the kingdom by our own means, then we can literally be called into question or not we're seeking the kingdom. So the last question on this slide here, do you hold a set of keys? No answer needed. Meditate on it. Think about what that means when it came to the scripture because he said woe to you let's look at it now again in Luke 11.52 learn it in the Torah because you took away the key of knowledge that means those people had one at one time you did not enter in yourselves and those who were entering you hindered so those who were following those leaders, those lawyers, those religious leaders, if they got sidetracked and started believing in the teacher versus the Torah. I'm going to close with this one thing. I was really disappointed this past week, grieved. Um, A year and a half ago, I went to a a Torah healing retreat, and there was a young sister there. She was so full of zeal. And uh, 
she posted something on her Facebook page about walking away from this tour of messianic movement because of all the corruption and the deception that she had seen, things that really troubled her. Uh, and I, I won't go into gross details of some of the things that she had claimed that she saw. But in the end, she says, don't even bother trying to talk me out of it. She says, because I've had enough of it. I might go back to Christmas, Sunday, and even bacon. Goodbye. And I prayed about it, and I walked away from that, really thinking, I met that sister. And the question popped in my head, a still small voice said, was she following me, or was she following a teacher? Because if you're following him, you don't walk away because the people around you are doing whatever they're doing. But if you are following a teacher, then you get bent out of shape, you get mad. And I had to seriously question myself a couple years ago when I got mad at God because Wanda passed away. I that I would get mad, but here I was getting mad. And I told him, I'm mad at you. He came back and he says, you're mad at me. Hmm. Who gave you that woman? Well, you did. Hmm. Whose love came through that woman? Yours. Whose love flowed for you through her? Yours. And you're mad at me because of what? Because you can't see what is in the Holy of Holies. You can't see past the curtain. And of course, I taught on that that very night, and that's why it was like impressed on me about the sons of Kohath. They had a burden to carry, and the burden that they could carry, they had never seen because it was covered by the stones of Eharon. So just because we can't understand what our God does does not mean that we have the right to stand up, rise up, and elevate ourselves as an idol above whatever he's doing because we don't see the full picture. So let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Yahweh, Abba, blessed are you. I came here today not really knowing what I was going to talk about. And you use me. And quite honestly, there is never a day where I feel like I deserve to be used. But you use me because of your namesake. It is your name. It is your word. These are the things that we should cling to. You want us to draw near to you. You tell us to draw near to you. You tell us, get rid of these ideas. Don't worry about this. Don't worry about that. Seek the kingdom first. And quite honestly, on a day-to-day -day basis, sometimes we don't even know what that looks like. What does seeking the kingdom first really mean? We get distracted with the worries, concerns of the day from our bills to our family members to the light on the gas tank and, you know, the notices that come in, the world around us, all these things, misinformation, this information, and that information. 
Father, please teach us how to draw near to you and look to you as the source of our salvation. And I ask this in your son's name, Yahushua, your strong right hand. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Um, I would recommend that you take some time, meditate upon the word, and come back at 3 o'clock. And then Mark will take over and give us the second part. And uh, Shabbat Shalom. Yeah.